You're listening to the Secrets of Successful Business podcast, your go-to source for business tips, tricks, and proven strategies that will help you create a streamlined and profitable business. We chat to the best minds in business about their journey. It is so worth it and it can take time, but it's highly beneficial. How they started. It's going to be really hard. There'll be moments where you regret all of it, but there are such high moments as well and just constantly persevere. What they learned along the way. Quickly discovering what your boundaries are and putting them in place and sticking to them. And of course, we'll ask them for their secret sauce for creating a successful business. I would say to anyone who wants to start a business, have a purpose. Join us as we take a sneak peek behind the curtain, talk solutions for those business pain points, working smarter, not harder, mindset and the challenges of fitting it all in with the demands of today's busy lifestyle. If you're a business owner, side hustler or just starting your business journey, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, business coach and content creator, Justine McLean from Flossy Creative. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. In case we haven't met, I'm Justine, a small business owner on a mission to uncover and share the secrets of creating and running a profitable, sustainable, and successful business. I've been in business for over 20 years now, and I get to use all that I've learned along the way to help other women in business reduce the overwhelm, gain visibility around their numbers, charge what they're worth, and make more money. It's about designing a life you love that fits into your definition of success. So if I can help you create the profitable business you deserve, please reach out. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. For as long as we've walked this planet, we've told stories, stories that have been handed down through generations, stories that shape our beliefs, show our differences and build human connection. And since 2020, that human connection in business in particular has become key in building trust, increasing engagement, and making sure our business stands out from the rest. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about the art of storytelling in business, how to do it, and why your story can help your business grow. So I've invited one of my clients, design writer Rebecca Gross, to the podcast to share her expertise and to tell us why telling a good story can be the key to your business success. Rebecca has interviewed more than 300 architects and designers and written over 500 stories for design and architecture entrepreneurs. She's also written four books with her latest, Ornament is Not a Crime, due out in September. So let's get started. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, hi, Justine. I'm good. And thank you so much for having me. Happy happy to be here. I, you know, I think it's going to be such a great subject because I think people underestimate the power of storytelling in business. And you, as I said in my introduction, well, you are the storyteller. You have told a lot of businesses stories. So how did you get into you know, storytelling for the world of architecture and design. Can you tell me a little bit about your business journey? Yeah, sure. So I write about architecture and design and I call myself a writer, editor and a design historian. I've not studied architecture or design. It's just an interest of mine and I I never planned to be a writer. That's just how it came about. But it probably started about 10 years ago when I 
went to New York and I studied my master's in the history of decorative arts and design at Parsons. Such a fantastic experience and opportunity. And I just, I learned so much. And once I'd finished that degree, I came back to Sydney and I'd never quite gelled with the idea of working for people. I couldn't understand (laughs) why I was helping other people reach their goals. Why wasn't I right reaching my own goals and doing my own work. So I decided to see if I could freelance. So I picked up a little bit of freelancing, uh, writing for uh, websites like Howls and Canva. And then I emailed editors of architecture magazines and introduced myself, told them what I did. I contacted publishers who specialized in architecture and design books and you know asked if I could copy edit or proofread. And some people gave me a shot. Mm. Uh, And business just built up from there. So it really became, from there, it became a lot of sort of word of mouth and referrals. And now I continue to write for architecture magazines and books. And I also write directly for architects and designers. So if they're putting out media releases, project stories, website content, like resources for their clients they can engage me to help them with that writing. So, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I love those almost accidental businesses. And then the fact that you, you know, can still build a business on referral. It's, it's quite incredible. And honestly, you're speaking my language when you say you didn't want to work for anybody else, because <laughs> I am exactly the same. I reckon I am my own best boss. Now, we've worked together for most of this year. Um, you've been one of my amazing clients. And and the reason we started working together was because your business was going through a bit of a transition at the time. Can you share how your business has sort of really evolved and what you've decided to focus on now as we go into this next sort of part of your business, you know, with storytelling for these amazing designers and architectures that you're working with? Yeah, sure. So I guess in the previous iteration of my business, it was mainly for media, books, or through PR companies. I did a little bit of work directly for architects and designers. And I took a bit of time out, to be honest, for about a year. I did a contract. I wrote my book, which I think we'll talk about later. And I've come back to my business and I've decided that I want to do more writing directly for architects and designers. I feel there's a real opportunity there to help them explain their work in more sort of like simple, uncomplicated terms that's accessible for readers mm-hmm. and can invite people into the story so that they have a better understanding of what architecture and design is about and the benefits of it. Uh, which I personally think are really important. And that's partly why I do this. So yeah, so we worked together and you helped me put together or gave me some ideas and some strategies for how I can best market myself to potential clients and kind of package up my writing in different formats so that there are various tiers where they can, you know, buy a package of writing that, which I feel that they can feel can help them. And that's based a lot on all the work I've done over the last seven, eight years, both for media and directly for architect. And I think the thing that is the most fascinating to me about your business, because obviously if you're a business owner out there, you've heard of this thing called chat GPT. You've heard of copywriters, people who can kind of, you know, put together a media release or do your social media, those sorts of things. 
chat GPT, of course, who's going to magically do it using AI. And there's no doubt that that is a great tool. But I think what sets you apart, Rebecca, is that you are a storyteller. And, you know, so often writers who are storytellers, you know, write novels and books or movies. But what you've done is you've taken this concept and you've really applied it to business. Can you share with the audience why that art of storytelling, you know, is important when it comes to a business and how crafting that business story can mean the difference between getting, you know, clients and not? So I think storytelling, it's, I like this idea where storytelling, it talks about you, but it speaks to your audience. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of, it's a connection or like a little a middleman, so to speak, between yeah. you and the the reader the, or the potential client or customer. And it gives your audience more context about what you do. And it's that bigger picture so that they can have a better understanding of what you do and why. And it opens up opportunities for connection. Um, yeah. It's more engaging. It's more interesting. It's a way to let people in and tell them more about you. And then you can kind of see if you're the right fit or if you're on the same page. and you know, if there's potential, you know, if you're selling a product or a service or you're going to be working together, it's, you can sort of like see a lot more potential, a way to learn about yeah. somebody else. Because I, I think, you know, I suppose if I can sort of say, uh, you know, we're, we're so often used to a website or, you know, some sort of communication that gives a laundry list of what someone can do. But I think it's that human connection that comes about with storytelling that, you know, clients can start to relate to in businesses. And as you say, get that insight into who, you know, that particular business is and and how they can help them and the transformation that they can make. So if, you know, we're thinking about creating a story for our business, you know, how can you make it unique? I mean, is there an example that you can share with the audience of, of storytelling that has helped enhance a brand and shown their unique side? Like I've written hundreds of stories about projects, mm. about houses, and I often think I should be bored of this, but I'm not. <laughs> and I think that's because some of the themes might be the same, and this could apply to businesses and people, but actually what goes into it is unique. There's a different, if I'm talking about architecture, a different architect, a different client, a set of different set of circumstances, ideas, goals, outcomes. So I think it's first of all, recognizing that your story is unique and then like really drilling down and finding what is what makes it unique. So is it a life-changing experience? Is it a particular value or a vision that they have? And you can't, you can't fake it. I think people see through that. Mm, you have to, you have yeah. to really be genuine. Because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who think, well, why would I hire a storyteller? I can just use chat GPT. But that's going to be the difference, right? You know, mm-hmm. chat GPT is just writing to a specific set of ideas or suggestions that you put in. But as you say, with a real story, you can't fake it. You know, it's it's about what is woven into the fabric of that design or the particular piece of architecture that's coming through, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've explored chat GPT a little bit and I yeah. probably something I should have done more. And my experience with it is that it will give you information and content, but there's no original ideas in there. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that originality is what makes somebody unique. Yeah, and it doesn't, absolutely. it doesn't have to be anything vastly original, but it means it, it 
yeah, gives it more of a uniqueness. I, I heard someone say, you know, not that long ago, you know, we were talking about niching in business and I can't think of the life of me who said this to me, but it was, it was like, well, you don't really have to niche into business because you are the niche. You know, you like when you think about business, you are the niche. And I think when you think about it in that way and think about telling your story or your personal transformation or whatever it is to really kind of get those ideal customers into your business, I mean, that's sort of where it starts by believing that you are the difference. And so if people are listening and they're thinking, okay, this sounds like a good idea, I want to incorporate storytelling into our business, whether that's through our EDMs or whether that's through that that's on our website or a media release that goes out, even if they haven't done it before, how can they start? So everything I do is along starts with a conversation and interview a long set of questions. So even though I'm often writing about or for other people, I think people can do this themselves as well. Start with a set of questions that helps you drill down to find why you do things. Um, and I think it's in the why that's the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if I talk about a designer, I could say, you know, maybe they're going to say, I designed high-end luxury houses. Well, why? Mm-hmm. why? Why do you do that? Maybe it's because we believe everybody should live in their dream home. Yes. I designed sustainable architecture because I believe the world deserves better. But it's in that why that you can then start elaborating about what the story behind that is. And then people can connect with that. That's an idea, a value or a vision that somebody can go, oh, I think the same. Maybe this is the right person to be working with. Yeah. Okay. So So keep asking why. Yeah. That's yeah. So, and then if I'm writing about a house or a project or a practice, it's all about what you do, but why. And then you can go into the how as well. So you know, how do you do it? And I think the, you know, the interesting thing about, you know, starting with a piece like that. So starting with a story about your business is that you can then, you know, take that content and you can make it work for you across a whole lot of different channels in your business as well. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, websites, like product launch or a course, your EDMs. Once you've got kind of that story, it becomes your brand. Mm-hmm. And then you can repurpose it and adapt it, add to it, let it evolve as your business keeps going. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, one of the things that I sort of like doing, particularly if I'm going to work with someone, is to have a look at their about page. And the difference in the in about pages always fascinates me because sometimes it reads like a CV and other times yeah. it reads like a story, which is amazing because you kind of get to know a bit more about that person. But obviously storytelling often involves, you know, those emotions and I suppose some personal information that is going to help us make that personal connection with our audience. For anyone listening who's thinking, yeah, I'd like to kind of incorporate storytelling, but I need to stay professional for my industry. Where's that balance? How can you sort of strike that balance between bringing in that emotion to the story, bringing in that personal element, but still maintaining that professionalism? I think it's in what what you're comfortable sharing and what you think your, your audience is going to be open to. And perhaps it's discussions with colleagues or friends to kind of like find that balance as well. And then in your language, making sure that it represents you. So you want to, it would be, there'd be a bit of a disconnect if you write in a very formal professional manner, but then that's not the, that's not the way you speak. 
Yeah. Um, so when somebody actually comes to talk to you or meet you, you're not the person that they've been, that they're reading about. So I think that can lead to like a bit of a disconnect and perhaps some disappointment. So I think it's being comfortable with what you share, making sure that it's relevant to your audience. And, you know, you can ask for feedback on that and making sure the language matches up with who you are and what you're offering. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. I think so many times you kind of read an email from someone and you get a sense of who they are and then you meet them and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's not what I was thinking at all. So yeah, that's a really good tip. And are there any other practical tips, you know, that you can share that, you know, are going to help the audience either improve their storytelling skills or, you know, maybe you've seen some mistakes some pitfalls, which, you know, people should try and avoid. So I always, whenever I write something, I make sure it has a point. A story has a point that, you know, there needs to be a hook or an angle. And I can even think back to high school English (laughs) and think, you know, you always, in your introduction, you introduce the thesis or the point or the hook. And in the conclusion, you loop back to that to sum it all up. And then everything through the middle supports that. So that's kind of how I always set up a framework. And, you know, you can do that in 200 words or you can do it in 800 words. And it doesn't have to be like in your face obvious, but it's Mm -hmm. a nice sort of um, model to work with. To always keep your language clear and simple, I think is important. And and use familiar language is accessible for people to read. I feel like there's so much content for us to be reading out there mm-hmm. and we're busy. So let's make it easy. Yeah. Let's make it easy for everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. I know that when I started my very first publishing job, I worked in tax publishing and we would speak in abbreviations inside the office. And of course, we all understood what that was, but the key was to not put those abbreviations into the writing. And so I think that's probably true. Like for most industries, when you're writing, you know, if you're writing an email to your clients or you're putting together your story, yeah, make sure it's stuff that people can understand and not your industry shorthand because yeah, otherwise you're just sort of missing the mark. Now, speaking of storytelling, you have got a brand new book coming out this month, Ornament is Not a Crime. So can you share a bit about the book with the listeners? Sure. Yes. Very exciting. So it comes out um, end of September in Australia and March next year in the UK and US, I believe. Mm -hmm. So through my writing, I noticed this trend um, in interiors over recent years. So after years of, you know, or potentially decades of like minimalist interiors, mid-century modern, Scandinavian Hamptons. There's just been a lot more sort of color and fun and expression come back into interiors. And having studied design history, I saw the similarities to postmodernism in the 70s and 80s. That came after years of modernism. And I feel like this idea is coming back now after years of sort of minimalism. So my book is about, it has about 21 homes and five designers from about from around the world. And the interiors and the objects, to me, sort of demonstrate these themes from postmodernism. The designers might not have done the consciously, but they're in there and they've got on board with it. (laughs) So it's a really, it's a fun book. It's colorful. The interiors are like, they go from quite restrained to pretty out there. I'm still kicking myself at some of the people who said yes to me. I can't quite believe it. Really? Um, Yeah. But they're just very imaginative and 
yeah, just super creative. And then, yeah, there's this sort of element of 80s design in there. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes you got to look for it or like really read the text to understand it. But um, yeah, very excited about it being out in the world. And how did you go about putting it together? Like, how did you go about collecting the people to kind of be involved in the book? It was a matter of scouring the internet. Really? <laughs> so, so I, I had there are about four or five practices in Australia: Wah YSG, um, and some others who I had in my head and they'd been on my radar for quite a long time and their work sort of like sparked the idea and then when I spoke to the publisher we decided that we'd like try to get projects from around the world so then it was a matter of just looking on Instagram Architectural Digest L and different architecture and design websites emailing them telling them what the proposition was and if they were on board with it and yeah a whole lot of them said yes and then telling their story yeah pretty much so then I'd they would have had the projects or the homes photographed already so Mm -hmm. they um, have an agreement with the photographer to supply the photographs and then I set up an interview with them and I write the text that tells the story of that project and I guess one interesting in this element of these homes is they're very much connected to the people who live in them because Mm. there's so much sort of personality and meaning in the homes that they kind of play on nostalgia interests personalities that way there's a lot of storytelling within the design and that made it like interesting and engaging for me to write the text because it's you know just a natural story to bring yeah. through that as well so there you go yeah. another example of how storytelling can make you know such a difference in just our day-to-day lives which is quite incredible so look you've obviously had your business now for several years when you think about your business you know have you hit upon a secret or secrets of running a successful business do you think I think it's consistency being responsive and communicative to everybody I work with delivering good work being reliable and doing what I say I'll do Yeah um, I don't so think I'm-, I'm overly ambitious in what I'm going for with my work. I just want to enjoy it and feel an element of success from it. Yeah. Well, I'm all about success on your terms. It's kind of, uh, yes, what I, what I preach and what I absolutely try and practice. So I think, yeah, consistency is so important in running a successful business, particularly if you want it to be a business that is going to, you know, be on your terms of success. So important. Look, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, for sharing your expertise around storytelling and how, you know, the listeners can start to incorporate storytelling into their business. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and for letting me share. So it's Rebecca L. Louise Gross, G-R-O-S-S. And that's my website, my Instagram and my LinkedIn. They're all the same. And the L is there because there's already another Rebecca Gross.com who is also a researcher and writer. Oh, <laughs> what wow. are the chances? <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, your new book, Ornament is Not a Crime, is going to be out in Australia in September. So that will be available at all good bookstores. So keep an eye out for that one. And before we go, my question for you is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be? I've been thinking about this and I've been trying to think up something catchy or personal and they haven't come to me. (laughs) So right now it's be kind. I feel like we could do a lot 
yeah, we could have a lot more of that in the world. And it also might be because I'm very nervous about my book coming out. <laughs> Although the feedback's been good. So. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. Be yeah. kind. I love it. Nice way to end. Thank you so much, yeah. Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Secrets of Successful Business podcast. For more information on all things business, head to flossie.com.au and make sure you hit subscribe on the show so you don't miss another new episode. If you're enjoying the show, please give it a quick rating or review, share it on your socials or with friends who might enjoy it. Catch you next time.